0: Good morning. We're continuing a study in uh, Paul's letter to to the Romans. This is one of the most powerful books ever written, letters ever written. And Paul has a very unique style of answering objections to what he's teaching. So he will teach certain things and then he will spend some time answering what he feels like are the objections that would be uh, posed to his his teaching. Romans 3 is part of his answering what he feels like are religious objections to the gospel. But in particular, the the Jewish religion and its objections to the gospel of Jesus Christ. And so Paul stays in this answering objections for a bit here. And even though this is a short passage, we're going to read, uh, and I hope I can convey the power of it to you. This has been really touching to me as I've come to understand what he means by what he says here. So it's it's going to take a little bit to unpack it. So I ask that you would stay with me about this. In Romans chapter three, verse one, Paul writes: Then what advantage has the Jew, or what is the value of circumcision? Well, much in every way. To begin with, the Jews were entrusted with the oracles of God. What if some were unfaithful? Does their faithlessness nullify the faithfulness of God? By no means. Let God be true, though everyone were a liar. As it is written, you may, that you may be justified in your words and prevail when you are judged. Now, we're gonna look at this passage and, and here's the context. Paul is relentless in his conviction and convicting words towards his Jewish kinsmen. He's not an anti-Semite. Nothing in this is anti-Semitic. Everything in this is his love for his kinsmen, for his, his fellow Jewish people. Paul is a, a Jewish man and uh, his heart is broken for them. Now, this really applies not only to Judaism, but it applies to any religious person, Christian, other religions, it doesn't matter. Because what Paul is, is trying to convey is that religion becomes a way of avoiding God. It becomes a A mask that you put on or a shield that you put up, kind of like a force field against God that God has to stay out of. And so what Paul wants to do and what he's doing in Romans is he is trying to take a battering ram to any shield, any closed door to God that religious people have. And the reason is that Paul himself understands really clearly the religious shield that he had on. Remember in his his resume of righteousness. He talks about his one, his racial purity, Hebrew of the Hebrews. His his even his his tribal elitism. He's out of the tribe of Benjamin. You see, Benjamin and and Judah were the only two tribes that stayed faithful. The northern tribes all uh, left God early on, and so he 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 he's thought through. You know, all of the ways that, that he put on a mask, the way he put up a shield to avoid God by his religion. He said, you know, as to the law, blameless. So, in a way, Paul is trying to say to a person like him himself, like he was, that these sacred things... The, the trappings of religion become traps when a person doesn't come to faith and come to live in a faith relationship with God through and in Jesus Christ. Now, you see, this is revolutionary teaching. Paul is saying something no other rabbi has ever said. It is the teaching of the Old Testament, but it is somehow missed by the rabbinical teaching even to this day, and Paul himself had fought against this teaching with this with all his might, because the one who who taught him, or the the way he heard it, was first and foremost through Stephen. If you look back at the narratives in the in the Book of Acts, Stephen was teaching in the synagogues of Jerusalem and around Jerusalem, and the Scripture says no one could answer Stephen. That means. You understand, he was in the territory of the Rabbi Saul, our Apostle Paul. And Rabbi Saul could not answer Stephen. And you can imagine how frustrated Saul was that Stephen, arguing from the Old Testament, was putting arrows into Saul, our Apostle Paul's heart. And then you see, You see, Paul meets Jesus. The Saul of Tarsus, who becomes Paul, meets Jesus. And Jesus says, why did you kick against the goads? Goads are training and teaching and leading kind of instruments for animals. You see, what Jesus was saying is, why didn't you listen to Stephen? You knew how it affected you. You knew You knew you couldn't counter him. You knew he was teaching from the Old Testament. But instead, you chose to kill him. And so Paul realizes all the defenses, all the shields of the religious person. And he argues with his fellow Jews now, just as Jesus had argued with him and just as Stephen had argued with him. And so in a way what Paul does is he becomes a prosecuting attorney. He prosecutes the religious person relentlessly. His hope is they'll come to their senses and instead of clinging to the symbols of their religion or the the religious trappings or themselves his hope is that they're going to they're going to fall before God and say be merciful to me a sinner. This is this is why many people reject the gospel. It's because first the gospel drives you to your knees. And then it lifts you and raises you to the joys of heaven. But it's always in that order. The gospel drives you to your knees and says, woe is me a sinner, I need a savior. It's only as you come to that place, Paul is saying. And he's saying like circumcision won't save you, baptism won't save you, having even... Copies of the Word of God will not save you. See, in some ways, we can't taste the joys of heaven till God has broken the hardness of our heart. And that's what Paul is about here in this passage. You see, what he's making clear, and this is so important, is that a life given over to our Savior and our Lord Jesus Christ is the only life that counts, not circumcision not baptism. Paul is basically saying without a life of faith in Jesus, baptism counts for nothing. Without a life of faith in Jesus, no religious activity, even circumcision, can count for anything. Do you realize that the ones who stoned Stephen, they were all religious people. They couldn't counter his arguments from the Old Testament, so they killed him. Paul was, more often than not, when he preached the gospel, he was attacked, not by secular people, but generally by religious people. They were the ones who stirred up trouble for him. It was leaders of the synagogue normally. So, what is Paul saying here? And what's he been saying in this passage to religious people so relentlessly? He says, there are many privileges to being religious. And he says to the Jewish people, you had the the very law of God. You had circumcision as a sign that God had made a covenant with Abraham and to Abraham's descendants. You had these, these privileges. Paul's calling them privileges. But he says, without a life of faith in Christ, those privileges rise up to condemn you. And so the expectation then is that That Paul is somehow going to now blast, you know, the Jew, or he's gonna blast religion or whatever it is. But really, he takes a turn here in chapter three that is surprising in a way because he said and particularly to his opponents, he says, Look, there is there is so many advantages of growing up a Jew. And you could really see There's an analogy here to anybody that grows up in the faith, who grows up in the church, who grows up in Christianity. Paul says there's so many advantages. Here's what he says. The advantage of being a Jew is you were the only ones in the whole world who had the sacred scriptures. That's what the oracles of God, he's saying. See, God transmitted his word and his thoughts, but it was written down. And nobody else had the written word of God. These are. These are God's words, Paul say. He, he, he explains this a little further when he writes to Timothy and says, Timothy, you've had this privilege your whole life to know the sacred scriptures. You see, Timothy was raised by a Jewish mother and a Jewish grandmother, though his father was Greek, and his ma- mother and grandmother knew the Old Testament scriptures, the Hebrew scriptures, and they taught him to Timothy his whole, whole life. And Paul is saying, this is a tremendous privilege. Now, you know, as I was thinking through this, it made, I feel like the Holy Spirit started taking me back to my own childhood, thinking about Timothy and having the scriptures. Uh, I remember my, my grandmother was my first Sunday school teacher, and my mother was my second one. And the, and the amazing thing in both of their lives, I mean, my family was dysfunctional, and was a It was a mess. It was just a mess of a family. But in the midst of all that dysfunction and all the things that were wrong in my family, I started learning the Word of God as soon as I could read. I memorized scriptures, which is interesting now because they come back to me here at 61 years old. The problem is sometimes they're coming back to me in King James, which is what I learned them in. But I, I memorized scriptures all through my childhood. I sang the songs of God since I was you know, old enough to start singing. And those songs are still with me long. And I can, sometimes whole hymns will come out that I learned when I was just a little boy. And the, the, the awesome privilege of this is that those words of God and those songs that have the words of God come to me now when I need them most. And so there's this awesome privilege. It is not better to grow up outside of the church. It's not better to grow up outside of the faith. But what is it Paul's saying? He's saying, well, just being around the word or just being around the privileges of the faith is not the same as personally responding to the word. That's what he's talking about here. He's saying, He's really saying to these people, you see, you've, you've had these oracles. You've had these messages of God. You've had the word of God written. But has it made its way into your heart? Being around it is not the same as allowing it to convict you, as allowing it to be life-giving, of learning how to have passion for the word in such a way that you not only hear it, but you do it. One way the scripture talks about is that their heart? That uh, both um, in, in in Scripture, but also in history, in the moves of God, hearts being strangely warmed by the teaching and the preaching of the Word. See if there's if there's a if you're around the Word but resistant to the Word, or if you're around the Word and you're saying, "Well, I have the Bible, and that's 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 enough." Then you've fallen, Paul says, into a trap of a religious person. Has it made its way into your heart? And Paul's really saying something pretty pretty dramatic here. He says more privilege, more responsibility. Because the those who are privileged to have the word and, and to have the sacred scriptures, Paul says you have the ability to respond. But do you belong to Jesus? Has having the things, whether it's baptism or a good church or having the word in your life, has it led you to respond to say, I belong to Jesus? It's an overwhelming advantage to have all these opportunities, but it is also a great responsibility. Now, not only does he go after how it has to be a personal response to the word, but he begins begins an argument here that's, in a way it's not like it flows out of the other arguments, but it's a very powerful argument and what Paul does is is he 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 looks at for particularly the the whole of the old testament scriptures and if you if you take a view of the whole Old Testament scriptures the Hebrew scriptures, you will realize that again and again and again those who had these these privileges of the word and circumcision and the promises of God and even the presence of God, they acted faithlessly. They were faithless. They rebelled. They did exactly what God told them not to do. They did not do what God told them to do. And so, in a way, what Paul's saying is that some can point their finger at how faithless the people were and then say, see God is not faithful. God is not to be trusted. Now, Paul's talking about the whole of the Hebrew Scriptures and the whole journey from Abraham to the days of the apostles. And there is tremendous faithlessness. But what he makes clear is this. Is God not faithful just because religious people are faithless. I hear this all the time. that people say, "Well, I you know I can't accept Christ because of the hypocrisy in the church," or "I can't be a part of the church uh, because of there are so many you know faithless people in the church," and so it's a common. It's a common again. It's a shielding. You see, in all of these arguments, what Paul is saying is we use things to shield ourselves from the truth about our need for the gospel of Jesus Christ. And what Paul says is, in no way does the faithlessness of people detract or diminish the faithfulness of our God. And here's where his argument goes. He goes to the psalmist, to the greatest of all psalmists, King David. And he goes to the the psalm of David's greatest repentance, of of David's greatest, greatest confession, and David's contrition. You know, here's King David. He was circumcised. He was himself throughout his whole life pursued relentlessly of God. He didn't look to be king. God went and found him and sent Samuel to anoint him. David, in so many ways... Embodies in, uh, all the religious uh, privilege that anybody could have. And yet, no one has probably sinned in, in the scriptures. I'm not sure I can think of anyone of the family of God who sinned more greatly than David, having uh, killed one of his mighty men just so he could have his wife. And just so he could cover up the sin of adultery that he committed with his wife when the wife was found to be with child. How he lied, how he tried to deceive, how he tried to cover up and then eventually just murdering the man. So here's a man with all the religious trappings, with all the religious privileges, and yet he's so faithless in the midst of it. And King David admits that in Psalm 51. Now, it took some time for him to come to the place of confession. You see, he was defending himself. He was protecting himself. He was lying to himself until Nathan the prophet came and revealed the sin and David was broken before God. His hard heart became soft. His defense mechanisms fell apart. And in Psalm 51, we have his confession and his sin being revealed. And he says that you may be justified in your words and prevail when you are judged. see, what he's saying there is really, it's kind of simple. He's saying when we are faithless, your words are still faithful. And when you judge us and condemn us for our faithlessness... You are not being unjust. Even though we have circumcision, even though we have the promises, even though we have, you know, all of these, all of these privileges of religion, David says, but when we are faithless, your judgment of us is faithful. That's, that's, that's pretty powerful, you see. David doesn't hold up and say, but, but God, I'm circumcised. He doesn't hold up and say, but God, I'm of the covenant people. He doesn't hold up and say, God, look at all the good things I've done for you. He says, no, God, I've been faithless. And you are faithful to judge me. That's a powerful and honest word that David gives to God. God is faithful. And religious and religiosity is faithlessness. There's faithlessness that uses religion as a mask. Why is Paul bringing this up? Well, because, again, you've got to remember, he's, he's arguing with his old self. He's arguing with those who have the same attitude he had. His religion was always a defense against God. You know, he showed his, I'm a Hebrew of Hebrews, I'm blameless in the law, until he met Stephen. You see, he had a choice to make when he met Stephen because Stephen had everything that Saul of Tarsus, our Apostle Paul, wanted. And so he either had to accept Stephen's message or he had to kill the messenger. He had to kill Stephen. And you know what he did. His defense mechanism was so strong. His avoidance of God through religion was so strong, he killed Stephen. And so now he is with all his might relentlessly trying to break through the religious privileges and get to the heart of his kinsmen well what what does this mean for any and all of us i mean i grew up around religion i grew up around faithless religious people i grew up with the word of god with baptism with the church with communion with the bible the question isn't how many privileges do you have? It's more what are you doing with your privileges? Because Paul's basically saying they will not save you. The point of every privilege is to show you you need to be saved and you need a savior. Seeing that there is baptism, seeing that there is a church, seeing that there is a word of God spoken in your language for you to read and to hear and to receive is leading you not to say, I have those things, but rather to say, I deliver myself to Christ, my body, my soul, my my heart, mind, and will to God always. See, Paul is always true, but in t- times of crises, in times of, of challenges, whether it is facing this pandemic of COVID-19 or is facing the racism and injustice in our nation, no matter what, what we are facing, it is not time to harden our hearts. It is not time to put up some kind of shield from God that says, no, we we have been baptized and we go to church and we have our Bibles. No, this is time for softness of heart, Paul is saying. Paul's passion never wavered, even for religious people. As much as he loved reaching the Gentiles, he never stopped trying to reach and even to persuade those like himself who use religion as a shield. Even though they hated him, even though they wanted him dead, he wanted religious people to know Christ. And he wanted them to turn their privileges and point to Christ. And to break down their shields. But here's what Paul is really saying in all of this. Whatever you're facing, God is faithful. And though others might be faithless, and you see, people who have a lot of religion think they're faithful. Paul is saying they are faithless. And although others are faithless, God is faithful. So in a way, you have to look and say, have I taken things for granted? Have I allowed a hardening of my heart? Or am I hearing the faithfulness of God calling me? You see, because if 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 you're hearing God calling you in his faithfulness, then your response should be, Lord, I'll do anything. Lord, I'll say anything. Lord, I'll sacrifice anything for your sake. Do you receive this now? In the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, who is calling you in his faithfulness. And do not put up a shield. Do not allow hardness to set in, but say, Lord, Lord, I am yours. I am yours. Send me where you want to send me. Ask me to do what you want me to do. Whatever it is, I'll do it. You see this in Jesus' name. Amen.